I invite you to turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. We're launching into this new book. We had an introduction last week. We'll get into the text this week. And it's just a joy to be able to open the Word of God, have access to the Word of God, and to be able to study and, and then open it up and unpack its truths. It's always the, the joy of the believer. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets and in many portions in many ways, in these last days have spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. And He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had put when he had made purification of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for your word. Uh, word, it's so precious to us. It is a, a rock for us, it keeps us from being tossed to and fro with every wind and wave of doctrine that comes along. Lord, we thank you. Uh, we pray that you would be honored and glorified as we look at this passage today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, every document, every important document starts out with a, a few words that are important. A few words that are uh, that, that kind of set the tone, it sets the purpose and the direction of the, of the document. Uh, it, it sets the, the importance, maybe, of the document. The, and it's a, a point of clarification, and it's called an introduction. And that's what this passage is. It's an introduction. We have an introduction to the Constitution, the preamble to the Constitution. And those first few words, we the people, those are important words. Words are immensely important, immensely powerful. When we, uh, when we were growing up, we had a little statement, a little saying that the older people taught us young kids, sticks and stones will break our bones, but what? Words will never hurt us, right? That's just not true. Words hurt, right? They do hurt. Now, that generation was just trying to prepare us to be tough, right? That's, that's what that is about. We're not trying to deny reality. But it seems like we have a whole generation now that's oh, too sensitive and, uh, and, and can't handle anything. There's a toughness there just because words are powerful and words are... They may not break bones, but they can sure do some damage to us. Words are important to society. Our whole traffic system is based upon really just a, a handful of independent words. Uh, go and stop or yield, right or left, um, caution. Those are important words, right? Very succinct, just one word, but they're, they're important. Uh, parenting is is done a lot like that. And just one word. Stop. No. Ooh. Not sure if that's a word. Or yuck. 
Yeah, that's, that's parenting. And those words convey something, right? Those words mean something. And these three little verses here serve as an introduction to the book of Hebrews, to the book of, uh, to the letter to the Hebrew people, to the, to the Jewish people. And it's the, the Jewish mindset. Um, in fact, this, this uh, passage can be a little awkward and a little difficult to understand and translate because it is written to the Hebrew mindset. It's written to the, the Jewish community there. And every word is, is calculated. Every word is, is important. It's powerful. Every word is, is um, purposeful and, and productive in, in doing something in this, in this passage. Each word is deliberately chosen. You can just tell. When we move through this, you'll see this, that each word is deliberately chosen to introduce Christ to this Jewish community. And again, it could be awkward just because it's, it's written to a, a Jewish mindset. Even though it's, it's in Greek, it was written with a, a Hebrew mindset, and it's even awkward to translate it from the, the Hebrew into the Greek or the Greek into the Hebrew and then that into English. It's just, it's just an awkward translation. And you can see that when we're reading it. There were Judaizers in the church in Paul's day. And in this day, Paul was probably not the author of the book of he, uh, the letter to the Hebrews. These Judaizers are, were infiltrating the churches and were causing the, uh, the, the Christians to doubt. They were undermining Christ's authority. They were undermining Christ's identity, His sufficiency. They were undermining the, the, the work that Christ did on the cross. They were undermining His position that He has now. They were undermining the new covenant that was established by Christ. And they were doing some damage. Their words were hurting. Their words were, were affected. And the author of Hebrews understood this. And the author of Hebrews recognized that to the Jewish mind, that Christ is a stumbling block. That's exactly what Paul said, isn't it? Christ is a stumbling block to that people group. And this author is dismantling that stumbling block one idea at a time, one word at a time, just slowly, methodically. And that's what he does in this. And this introduction reflects really the whole of the, of the letter, the whole of the, the book. And he's doing exactly what Christ, that Paul said to do, is that the Jews seek for signs, the Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ. They just continue to exalt Christ. And, and that's what the, the author is doing here. Just exalt Christ. Preach Christ. Christ is preeminent. He is above everything. He is above everyone. He has all authority. He has all sufficiency. He has the highest of all positions. And His new covenant that was established, that He established in His blood, that, that we have in Christ, is far better than the old covenant. Or any other covenant that, that could be made. And the author then is just exalting Christ. And he does that by, by asking two questions in this passage. And I want you to see the two questions. The first question, where did Christ come from? 
Where did Christ come from? Where is he, where is he from? Now, this is a question that would particularly been important to the Jews. And you see this in, in John chapter 9, uh, where the, the situation where, where Christ healed this blind man. And Christ wasn't there at the time he, uh, the blind man came uh, into the temple and they were questioning him. Christ wasn't there at this conversation. And the scribes and Pharisees, they were, they were questioning this, uh, this blind man. And, and I want to pick up the conversation here in verse 26. John chapter 9, verse 26. So, six. so they said to him, what did he do to you? And how did he open your eyes? And he said to them, I told you already, and you do not listen. Now, that's an important little phrase, right? We're talking about words. We're talking about conversations, communication. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciple too, do you? Well, he, I love his attitude. Isn't that a great attitude? He's just kind of sticking it to them. And they reviled him and said, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. Now, that's the question. Where is he from? We're not going to give this man the time of day. We're not going to listen to this man because we don't know where he's from. Now, they're not talking about, well, he's from Nazareth or he's from Galilee or he's, you know, come up from Egypt or uh, where was he born from Bethlehem and that kind of thing. No, who is his family? Who is his father? That's the that's where they're going to. That, that's their understanding. Where, where is he from? I, I like, you know, we, we have to, we can't just stop there. I have to give you the, the man's response. And the man says, the man answered and said to them, well, here is an amazing thing. I love that. His attitude just comes through. That you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does His will, He hears Him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, You were born entirely in sin, and you, are, you teach us? Now they're righteous and he's a sinner, so they put him out. One of the first persecute, one of the first pers- persons that were persecuted for Christ's sake. And I love that. It's a, a wonderful story, but it comes down and it just emphasizes th- they needed to know who was he from? Where was he from? Who was this person? He, he wasn't significant. And that's, that's the, the problem that the Jews had. He was not significant. We're not going to listen to him. Where is he from? And, and so the author of Hebrews answers that question with a, with a declarative statement. Now, the second question is, if, you know, where's, where's he from? This leads to then the second question is, what is his credentials? And if he's from God, then you've got to prove it. And so the rest of the verse, the rest of the passage, and uh, Ending of verse 1 down to verse 3, he gives seven qualifications of, uh, of Christ's credentials. Now, we probably won't get to all of them. We may not get to any of those. But we are going to look at the first question. So let's turn our attention to the first question. Where did Christ come from? 
He says, God. Now that's far enough right there, right? The first word, God. And, and he answers, he's going to answer this question, where did God, Christ come from? He's going to answer this with a, with a declarative statement, with a, a statement that, uh, that these Jews would know well. This, this person, this God, that's the best place that they could start because that's what they, they want to see a sign from God. They want to know that this is from God. This is from Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. The, the creator, the, the Shekinah glory that came down and lived among them. That true and living God. That's the one. And, and so he starts there. And, and that's going to tie in, of course. The Jews, Jews knew who he was talking to. Now, they didn't listen to him, but they knew exactly who he was talking to. And this is communication. God, after he spoke long ago... To the fathers. The fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and really to the rest of the Jewish nation. Uh, over the period of, of about a thousand years. He says in many portions and in many ways. God communicated to Israel through the, the prophets. Uh, Moses and Samuel and Jeremiah and Isaiah. Uh, and Zechariah and Ezekiel. Over this period of time and in different ways in, in dreams and dreams and visions and, and sometimes direct uh, communication with Moses or sometimes Christologies or theology, the, theophanies that uh, he would come down in human form. He says, in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us through his son. In these last days, it was a reference really to... Uh, in the, the last times or the latter times, they would have understood that this is the times of the Messiah. They would, again, pick up on these subtle little references here. And this is talking about the Son of God. Where is He from? He is from God. And He was sent from God to communicate from God to us. And communication, again, is a two-way street. And I want us to think about words again. Let's go back to that idea because it's a, a unique idea because I, I can have an idea in my head, a mind, and, and I've got to put that same idea in, from my head into to your head. And I, I use words to do that. Those words just represent an idea. And I use words so that I can communicate, so that I can, uh, for understanding, help for understanding. It's the, the purpose is to, to, to help you to understand. Now, that can be challenging. It's a little more challenging than we think. There's, there's some limitations to that. Because I can say that I, I saw a car go down the, the street. And now, you may have in mind a Volkswagen bug. But I may have in mind... Uh, a Ford Expedition, or a Ford Explorer, or a Ford F-150, right? There's variations of cars, and there's subjectivity. When I use a word, it can mean all kinds of things, and so we have to, we have to be careful how we use words. We have to clarify. There's, there's a, a liability of, of misunderstanding there. We have to be careful. We have to use specific words to convey specific meanings, the right ideas, right? Getting it from my mind to, to your mind. When I was in seminary, we, they told us, just prepare 
for every class that you take, you're, you're going to be essentially reading about a thousand words, or I'm sorry, a thousand pages per semester. A thousand pages per semester. Now, I calculated that, uh, and that's about 500,000 words every semester. Every word has an idea behind it. And someone is communicating to us uh, words, 500,000 words every semester, 500,000 ideas bombarding you every semester. That's, that's amazing to me. Now, words are good, but there are no pictures in theology books. I wish there were, but there's no pictures. Because, why? A picture is worth a thousand words. A picture is worth, man, you can just, if I just see a picture, you just pick out all of the details and, and, and you just fill your mind with, with the picture. The picture is really, really good. It's a good thing to have. In fact, a picture is better. And I want us to, to think about God's communication to us. God's revelation to us. And I want to use Scripture and I want us to think through some of these things. Because there's four elements that I want us to see from Scripture about God's revelation to us. God's communication to us. Number one is found in John chapter 1. And... Uh, in verse 1, the passage that was read for us earlier, I won't read the entire passage, but I, just at the beginning. In the beginning, God, in the beginning was the Word. And that's Christ. He, he was a Word. He was one that took the, the mind of Christ and, and was implanted into our mind. And He was the Word sent from God to communicate to us. To, 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 do, to do it uh, accurately. To do it uh, clearly and he was the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God and then skip down to verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory glory is of the only begotten of the father from the father full of grace and truth we saw he was a picture for us for from God now, there's two elements to here. He had a message from God, but he was also a picture of God. He communicated to us what God is like. God is an invisible God, and, and we could see him. We could see his life. We could see the way he, he, he lived his life. The way he interacted with people. What he said. The words he used. The attitudes that, that he had. He communicated to us God in all of his fullness. And that's, that's Christ. That was one of the things. He, God communicated through the Word, and, and the Word was, was Christ, and the, his effective, it's effective communication. But it also reminds, me, uh, reminds us of a, of a parable that Christ taught in Mark chapter 12 that we need to be aware of. Mark chapter 12 there's a, a landowner in verse 1. He says, and he began to speak to them in parables. This is a parable that Christ taught. He says, uh, um, a man planted a vineyard and put a, a wall around it and dug a vat around it. So he's investing this time and this money into this vineyard, this vineyard press. And he built a tower and rented it out to vineyard vine growers and went on a journey. So he spent all this time, all this money, and then he went for 
uh, a, a trip. He, he went away. And at harvest, verse 2, harvest time, he sent a slave to the vine growers in order that he... That, uh, in order to receive some of the product of the vine, of the vineyard from the vine growers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty handed. In fact, it goes on and he does this, they do this two more times. And those things in, in this parable, those things represent the, uh, the, prophets that God sent Israel, those servants of God presenting the word of God to Israel, and many of them they killed. And verse 6, and he had one more to sin, a beloved son, and he sent him last of all to them saying, they will respect my son But those vine growers said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. And the inheritance will be ours. So the question is, Christ was sent as the word. What happened? Was he able to get forth his message? No, they rejected him. Does that mean God's word is is incomplete? That God's word was not completed? Well, it does mean it was rejected. Was it cut short? What's the, what's the deal here? Well, that leads us to one more passage. In John chapter 16, Christ saw this coming. He predicted this. He was the, uh, he was the one that told that parable. And John chapter 16 completes this whole narrative. John chapter 16 and verse 12. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but I cannot, you cannot bear them now. So he's communicating then. Christ is communicating this message. He's doing that to the twelve, the twelve disciples that he had spent three and a half years with. And, and he says, you know what? I have more to tell you, but you cannot, you cannot handle them right now. And he goes on to say in verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth came or comes, He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. And he will glorify me, he will take of mine, and will disclose it to you. Now, what Christ is saying is, I, I'm not going to be able to communicate everything to you, but when I go, the Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to communicate everything to you. And He's going to, he's going to know exactly what wants, it needs to be communicated and He's going to be able to communicate it to you. Now again, think about from, from God's mind to our mind, is, is there any interruption? Is it clear? Is God speaking clearly here? Is God speaking accurately? When we see a picture in Christ, we hear the message that is being spoken, but, but wasn't it interrupted when Christ was taken? Well, no. The answer is no, because the Holy Spirit took that word and implanted it into the hearts of the disciples, and they, they communicated that written down. Let me turn with you with one more passage, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We want to see this whole thing following through this whole uh, process 
1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man? Now again, just think about the idea of the word. This idea is in my head. How do, how do I get it to your head? And the only way that to do it is, is my inner being, my spirit. I know what I want to communicate. And I'm the only one that really knows what I want to say, Paul is saying. He says, how, how can a man accept the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the thought of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the same spirit that, that we are dealing with. And he knows. The only person that knows God's thoughts is the Holy Spirit that's dwelling with him. The, the, the two are together. Now, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Now, now that's so important. This spirit who knows 100% accurately exactly what God wants to communicate, the ideas in God's mind that need to be communicated. And he says, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. What are those free things freely given to us? The words. Those words that were freely given to us by God. And the Holy Spirit accommodates those words so that we can know, so that we may know the things freely given to us. The Holy Spirit accommodates those uh, accomplish, uh, uh, accompanies those words. Now, verse 13 pulls it all together. Which things we also speak. So Paul is preaching these things. And he says, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. The process is complete. The mind of God knows what He wants to say. The Holy Spirit conveys that then to men and accompanies that word to men. And that word is proclaimed. And we can know with assurance, with 100% accuracy, from the mind of God to our ears. Now that's amazing. But then Paul adds, verse 14, But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. You reject the Holy Spirit, you reject the understanding of the Word of God. Boy, that's that's powerful. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. It's a spiritual problem there. But you see the whole process here. You, you see that Christ comes in picture form. He gives us this message. That message was rejected. The Holy Spirit comes and makes sure that accurate message is presented to us with complete accuracy. So God has spoken. Where was Christ from? He was from God. He was sent from God with a message. A declarative message. And a message that, that is warning. This is a warning here, I think, too. Because man then is accountable for the message that Christ gave. And Christ has communicated God to us in, in image form and also in message. If we are to hear from God, we must look to Christ. If we are to hear from God, we must look to Christ. He is the Word of God. God has spoken. The question is then, will we listen? Will we hear? 
Or will we be like the Jews to, to just, we don't want to hear from Him and we just crucify Christ. We just get rid of Him. Or will we suppress the truth in unrighteousness like Romans chapter 1, Paul says. But the very mind of God spoke out the Word of God. The Holy Spirit transfers that Word into the womb of Mary and Christ was humbly came humbly forth into the, onto the scene of human history, but with full volume. Full volume. He was clearly heard, clearly seen. God has spoken. He's spoken visually. He has spoken clearly. He's spoken loudly. Will we hear? Will we hear? The word is, uh, the world is is trying to uh, to get our attention. There's a lot of words coming at us. There, there's a lot of people that are clamoring f- to be heard. And, and the question is, who who will we listen to? Who will we listen to? Um, everyone knows what we need, right? You look on the TV, you listen to the TV. Every commercial, oh, you need this. You need that. This is why you need this. Because this is going to fulfill your life. This is going to make everything great. You know what we do in commercials? At the Dingus household, we mute them. We don't want to hear them. Except Super Bowl commercials. We, we think they're pretty cool. Who are you listening to? Everybody wants to be heard. Everybody has a voice. Everybody is is clamoring for your attention. And folks, it's about control. It's about influence. Everyone wants to influence you. Will you be influenced by God or, or somebody else? Or someone else? Who are you listening to? Um, today we have the experts. We have the scientists. That know best. We have the government with authority. They know best what we need. We have the culture, the fads, the, the popular opinion, the influencers. In fact, Facebook it really is an amazing thing. And, and Twitter and uh, these uh, online um, ways of communicating today. It's just more and more ways to bombard the people of, uh, of, uh, for influence. Influence. Who is influencing you? You know, even our own self. We have ourself that is not to be trusted. In fact, we are not to lean on our own understanding, but but on God's understanding. That even ourselves, our vain imaginations. Sometimes we can just listen to our own speculations or superstitions. And imaginations, or or the the old ways, and you know, those guys, they were wise, or or tradition. And, and there are many voices, folks. There's many voices, and they 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 have the tendency to to crowd out the very word of God, the word that's most important to us. The the world would would and Satan would just crowd that out that, that we don't even hear, we don't even listen anymore. But you know what? We're going to listen to somebody. We're going to listen to someone. Someone has influence over our life. And we have to make sure it's the right person. Right, right uh, influence. 
We listen to podcasts. We listen to music. We listen to different worldviews today. And, and, we, and we have to ask, who are we listening to? Who do we like most? Who do we listen to most? Christ said this. He said, he who has ears, let him hear. And we have to pray to, we have to pray to God, oh Lord, give me ears to hear your voice. Allow your Holy Spirit to, to, uh, uh, to help me to understand your voice. But we will never hear if we don't open the Word of Christ. The Word of God. Where the Holy Spirit can, we can read and the Holy Spirit can accompany and help us to understand this Word. And Paul says, How can you hear if you don't have ears to hear? Or or we have a world that's just distracting us, or a world that's confusing us, or or it's just our own neglect, not listening to the world. But but here's here's what Christ said also. He says, My sheep will hear my voice. Now that's that's assuring to me. In John chapter ten, verse twenty six, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. God speaks. The Holy Spirit accompanies that word. It, it, it's, and it's, it's Christ Himself in the flesh. He's cut short, but His message rings on in our ears. He continues to speak forth. And the Holy Spirit accompanies that message and the Word of God that was written down for us. And Christ says, those who believe, those who are mine, they will hear my voice. They will hear. Folks, that's powerful. God is a good communicator. Christ is preeminent. He is preeminent over the old means of communication, the, the, the prophets and the, the various ways that God communicated in the past. He now speaks to us through His Son, through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit that, that's come from Christ Himself. And Christ is preeminent. He is above all. He is above everything, everyone. He has all authority. He has all, His, His work is, is all sufficient. He has the highest position. His covenant is established. And, and we are, if we are in Christ, we are in His blood, we are in this new covenant. And God has spoken through this Christ, through this preeminent one. God's revelation is, is better than in the Old Testament. Why? Because it's, it's in the picture of Christ. Christ is, is communicated. If we are to know God, we must look to Christ. The author of Hebrews is just, uh, he's wanting to exalt Christ. Rightfully so. Christ is to be exalted. He is preeminent. And He is preeminent in communication. The best communication that we can have. And the question is, who do we listen to? We have to listen to God. We have to listen to God. God's Word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, I pray that it works its work in our life. That the Holy Spirit would illumine uh, 
where there is where there is no light, where there's no understanding. I pray for uh, clear understanding. I pray that as uh, we study the word, that you would give us clarity. As we read the word, that you would uh, bring the passages to mind that would help us in our daily life. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just accompany that word. Then as we live out that word in our life to a watching world, Lord, that they may see Christ in us, that they may see the very word of God being lived out in our life. Lord, we thank you for your communication. You're a good communicator, and we thank you for that revelation. We thank you for Christ, for Christ being the Word, a so much better communicator. Lord, we thank you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.